very large loose wet avalanches. Welcome to episode 5 of the Avalanche Hour podcast presented by TAS Gazex. I'm your host, Caleb Merrill. The goal of this podcast is to create a stronger community through the sharing of stories, knowledge, and news amongst people who have a curious fascination with avalanches. I'm proud and excited to announce the support that has been provided to the show by TAS Gazex. TAS is the world's leader in remote natural hazard prevention systems and has been implementing solutions for ski resorts, villages, highways, and work sites for more than 20 years. They design, manufacture, install, and maintain not only fixed, but also removable and mobile avalanche control systems. In addition, they can outfit your operation with weather stations, remote sensing avalanche detection systems, and even avalanche fencing solutions. TAS, an avalanche of solutions. A company of MND Group. You can find out more at www.tas.fr or find a link to their site from the podcast website at www.theavalanchehour.com. Thanks, guys. It sure is nice to have some longer days to play outside right now. Lots of time for two sport days with tacky dirt and plenty of skiing left. As a bonus, it seems like Old Man Winter doesn't want to throw in the towel on this season. Lately, I've been expecting to find corn skiing while skiing in the Cascades, but am continually surprised by more and more springtime powder. With these longer days and amazing coverage, I hope you're making some time to work into some of your bigger objectives that you've been staring at all winter long. Even though many of the Forest Service Avalanche Centers have stopped producing advisories, it certainly does not mean the mountains are no longer producing avalanches. Timing is everything in the springtime. Start early and get off the hill earlier than you might in the winter to avoid wet avalanche concerns. The bonus is you can usually still make happy hour at your local watering hole. Today's show will highlight Nick Myers from the Shasta Trinity National Forest. Nick is the lead climbing ranger and director of the Mount Shasta Avalanche Center. He will be discussing some things to think about when venturing out on a spring ski adventure, as well as some important factors and details if you are thinking about climbing and or skiing on Mount Shasta this spring. Without further delay, here's Nick. We're down here in Mount Shasta City looking up at beautiful Mount Shasta this afternoon. The wind's ripping up top right now, but the coverage is just amazing here. We've had a banner snow year, and there will be spring skiing on the mountain um, probably through, what would you say, Nick, July, August? Place your bets. Uh, that's a good question, but we're expecting spring skiing to be good definitely through June, um, probably into July. And uh, August is always a wild card, but if you like to ski every month of the year, I think the, the chances are good you're you'll be able to do so this this season. Well, Nick, welcome to the show. Nick's a good friend of mine and good friend of the shows, and uh, we appreciate you taking some time to talk a little bit about spring skiing on Mount Shasta and and some of the avalanche hazards that still exist. So uh, all over the 
the western United States right now. Most avalanche centers funded by the Forest Service are starting to, if they haven't already, they're starting to think about uh, hanging it up for the season, mostly due to funding. Um, but that doesn't mean that the avalanche concerns still aren't there. And at a place like Mount Shasta, you know, there's a lot of traffic that's just getting started with the climbing season, um, but also a lot of folks that are on spring volcano tours in the Northwest. And so we wanted to talk a little bit about um, some of the issues that still could be of concern to springtime corn skiers. Um, so what are, what, are you, what are some thoughts that you have on that, Nick? Yeah, you know, so in the springtime, um, primarily our, our most common avalanche problem that we experience specifically on Shasta and really anywhere along the West Coast here where there's snow is the loose, wet avalanche problem. And uh, we see it often, you know, a lot of times these type of slides are smaller, uh, point-release style, uh, slow-moving and often uh, inconsequential, but on Shasta, in my time here, I've seen uh, a number of very large loose wet avalanches, uh, especially where you have a steep slope and, and a long fetch. Um, they can build up into significant, significant avalanches, and you know, you pair it up with a terrain trap, a gully bottom, cliff, you name it, um, it can, you know, exacerbate the consequences of the avalanche quite a bit. And so, you know, those loose wet slides um, is the release of wet, unconsolidated snow. Oftentimes uh, a skier or even just a piece of rock or rime ice can start these slides off and as they move downhill, they entrain more snow and, as mentioned, can get can get pretty darn big. Uh, we oftentimes see these slides when we have really warm days and really poor overnight refreeze. So um, those surface layers of the snow uh, just become mushy, wet, and 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 cohesionless. And uh, during the warmest parts of the day, um, you know, noon, one, two, three, three o'clock uh, on you know specifically southern southern east southeast south and even some westerly facing slopes we can get get these type of slides right and, and uh at least in the last few weeks here we haven't been void of of new snow new storms that have been rolling through we've had a few pretty potent storms that have that have actually kind of put a little bit of a hamper on some folks's uh springtime volcano skiing spring skiing plans i know um so we can't really roll out storm slabs or wind slabs with some of these new events yeah absolutely and so as you said along with the loose wet uh springtime uh presents all kinds of potential avalanche problems um springtime brings a chance of new snow wind sun uh you name it and just actually a couple uh days ago we had a couple uh naturally occurring wind slab avalanches off the southeast aspect of Castleball Ridge here on the south side of the mountain. And, um, you know, it's important to note that, you know, with the wind slabs uh, avalanche problem, that it can be a bluebird day out and doesn't have to be necessarily snowing for avalanches to, to be possible. Yeah, so even with these longer days, you know, sunnier skies, maybe 
Um, it's, it's certainly not the time to let your guard down out in the hills right now. So still plenty of avalanche problems to think about. Um, and, and sometimes that's compounded by a lot of folks up on the hill, I would imagine. And, you know, what would you guys expect to see up on the hill for your Memorial Day weekend, you think, between climbers and skiers? Yeah, Memorial Day is one of our busiest weekends of the year. Um, and, man, your guess is good as mine. Typically just at Lake Helen over the past several years on a Friday or Saturday night, we can have uh, 150 to 200 folks just at Lake Helen. That doesn't account for people camped elsewhere, people doing one-day climbs, guided trips. So on the route, you can certainly have several hundred people I'll make an attempt at, at the summit or just up, up skiing around. So, you know, it's really important to not only be, be taking uh, the avalanche concerns into your own hand, but paying attention to what's around you, your situational awareness for, um, you know, what other people are doing, especially with those loose wet slides. A lot of times where we see problems is where the, the slides are triggered by somebody else above and you happen to be in the way below. Right. So there's, there's kind of an appropriate time to be starting to think about getting off the hill, I would imagine, um, in the springtime conditions. Um, so that's a, that's a good point to think about uh, for folks that are starting to plan their volcano season. Uh, how about just some housekeeping issues up on, on Mount Shasta for folks that are planning on summiting or, um, you know, what are, what are some other things that folks need to think about when they're coming to this area? Yeah, well, uh, to climb Mount Shasta, um, you need a wilderness permit. You need a summit pass, even if you don't plan on going to the top. Uh, if you're going to go above 10,000 feet, summit pass is 25 bucks for a three-day or 30 for an annual and you can get those for self-issue uh, at all the trailheads or at the ranger station. And then we also have the um, pack-out program for human waste. It is required that you pack out your human waste on Mount Shasta. We provide free human waste pack-out bags uh, at all the trailheads and at the ranger station. So those are the mandatory items for, for climbing the mountain, wilderness permit, summit pass, pack-out bags. Other than that, you know, cleanliness on the mountain we, we take very seriously. Um, it should go without saying pick up after yourself but we find um, a lot of trash a little micro trash we find human waste um, up up on the hill so um, please 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 we, we recommend you to uh, be extra diligent in your camp cleanliness and uh, then safety safety wise um, you know 10 essentials I can't tell you how many times uh, we've had search and rescue incidents where if folks had uh, just a few simple extra things, 10 essentials, uh, extra food, extra water, uh, extra clothing, a map and compass, a uh, headlamp. Little things can make a big difference uh, when, when accidents occur. Uh, so I guess with that bottom line, being prepared. So doing your homework um, and, and being prepared for what's ahead of you. Uh, Mount Shasta is sometimes considered a, a novice uh, endeavor, but there's still a lot of uh, serious, potentially life-threatening hazards up there. And so it's, um, you're doing yourself a favor by, by preparing properly for, for a climb of the mountain. It's uh, six miles, about six miles and 7,000 vertical feet from Bunny Flat uh, 
to the top one way, and of course you got to make it back down. So it's uh, it's a it's a decent endeavor. So Nick, in addition to these ten essentials and and just just talking on the same theme of being prepared, what are some other resources that people have that you guys put out maybe um, that would help them be more prepared when they're coming to Mount Shasta to climb and or ski? Well, naturally, I would direct folks to our website, ShastaAvalanche.org. Uh, if you haven't been there already, highly recommend you check it out. We've got a lot of good information on there. Um, good resource for uh, planning your trip to Shasta. So uh, on our website, we do have our spring statement. Our avalanche advisory is uh, our last one was issued on, on the 16th of April, and we issued a spring statement. So on there, um, along with some of the stuff we talked about today, there'll be some, some details concerning some of the avalanche problems we see on the mountain, the loose wet slides, storm slabs, wind slabs. Uh, once again, it's all possible in the spring. And so there's some, some good information on that. And, um, we certainly recommend folks still submit their observations. If you're out there, um, our observation section is, is up and running and available for folks to submit any notable a- uh, avalanche activity that they see out there. Um, we, we're not doing the, the two-day mountain weather forecast on the advisory, but we do have a, uh, a great weather tab. So under the weather tab, the you'll see where it says NWS recreational forecast. That's a, a great forecast for our area on there. Uh, we've got 6, 10, and 14,000 foot temperatures, winds, and snow level forecasts. Uh, along with a uh, brief blurb on on the weather. And um, then we also have four different weather stations in the area, and you can access that info still on on the website as well. And then under our climbing tab, there's a plethora of, of information. We've got route descriptions, general route descriptions, and current route descriptions for all the major routes on the mountain. So there's like... I think there's about 15 here, uh, major routes that, that get, um, updated pretty much weekly throughout the climbing season. And then just overall climbing conditions, trailhead information, road information for some of the, uh, road approach, uh, mileages on, on like Brewer Creek, Clear Creek, East side trailheads. I know folks are eager to get in there a lot of times. So without me blabbering on and on, the website is, is a great resource with lots of info that we uh, put a, a good bit of time and effort into keeping current for you guys, the public, to uh, use and, and uh, prepare. So Nick, I know a big part of what you guys do as rangers is you know, you're know you on call for a search and rescue, and I know every season there's a number of, of accidents that happen on Mount Shasta. I was hoping that you could maybe... Just talk briefly about some of the, you know, some of the more common climbing accidents that that occur on the hill, and some ways that you see they could be avoided, perhaps. You bet. So annually, we we average about a dozen search and rescues uh, a year. We've had years with as many as, as twenty or thirty. Um, so we have a, an MOU with Siskiyou County. Siskiyou County is in charge of, of search and rescue uh, in the area, but the, uh, the MOU we have with them allows us to function as incident command up there since we usually are, are first on scene. So 
Um, indeed, we get a bunch of search and rescues every year, and, and some of the most common ones are slips and falls. So people climb the mountain um, early in the morning, the snow is smooth and firm, they slip and fall, and they fail to self-arrest. So I can't tell you how often um, we preach to people to practice self-arrest. It's actually not something many people practice uh and you, and it's uh it's essential to to self-arrest if you do slip and fall on a on a smooth slope uh, once you get up to speed it's very hard to stop so the self-arrest is something that has to happen immediately uh, and very fast so we strongly recommend practicing pick a slope of non-consequence in the afternoon when the snow is soft um, get your ice axe out and have fun with it. Practice sliding down the slope and stopping quite simply. And, and you know, you're going to practice sliding down on, uh, on your stomach, face first, on your back, all different positions. And, <clears throat> you know, positioning yourself, getting yourself into the self-rest position to, to stop. So, um, yeah, a lot of our accidents are due to that, that, uh, failing to self-arrest. We get a lot of people who simply just get lost, um, and oftentimes that's due to climbing into whiteout. Whether you're on Shasta or any mountain in the world, it's it's generally not good practice to climb into a whiteout. And so people kind of get into that mode of just following tracks or following others, and uh, they get disoriented and lost. We had numerous times where People will climb onto the upper mountain and uh, become whited out, disoriented, and walk off the wrong side of the mountain. And it creates quite a quite a search for not only rescuers but worried families and friends. And it's a uh, it's a big mess. Um, so people getting lost, failing to to self arrest. We get a handful of rockfall related injuries but usually those don't pop up until later in the season when when a lot of the snow melts um you know people oftentimes ask <clears throat> when's the best time to climb shasta or what you know what does good climbing conditions mean on shasta when is good when are the good climbing conditions when is it bad and there really is no uh, line it's just a continuum uh, a slow progression from good conditions in the spring uh, to poor conditions in the fall. In the springtime, the, the days are getting longer. The weather's getting better. Um, the avalanche conditions are generally low, and rockfall potential is also low. Um, later in the season, rockfall potential increases. Uh, weather, we get uh, thunder and electrical activity later in the summer. Um, and then the mountain simply... The snow melts off, and uh, Shasta is a rocky volcano, and it's kind of a one step up, two steps back type of thing. It's pretty tedious and uh, not not that much fun, not to mention more dangerous. So uh, those are just some examples of the most common uh, accidents we get up there. <coughs> Excuse me. And so, again, with that, talking about preparedness, not only in your your body, mind, and equipment, but in your skills. Um, practicing the self-arrest, knowing where you're going, carrying a map and compass, um, knowing how to use that stuff, and taking matters into your own hands, 
not just following others up there because it certainly is easy to do so. Um, you can call us here at the ranger station right here in the, the climbing ranger office. Um, and we'll, if we're here, we'll pick up the phone, leave a message. We will call you back and answer any questions you have. You can get the front desk staff here at the Mount Shasta Ranger Station uh, Monday through Friday to 4.30. And they are they're great. Um, Don and Ashley and Sarah, we keep in, in very close contact with them in regards to conditions and weather. So they can be relied upon for accurate and, and good information. We also have a... Uh, a computer here in the lobby where we have virtual climbs of, of all the major routes on the mountain. So if you come in during business hours, either front desk staff or the rangers can walk you through a, a uh, virtual PowerPoint climb of, of the route that you're headed up. So between uh, our website, uh, talking to us, the front desk staff, your own personal planning and prep, and then the, the, the virtual tours, there's a lot of options and resources for one to um, prepare for a safe and enjoyable climb of Shasta. Yeah, between all those resources, there's almost no excuse to not be prepared, I'd say. Huh? You bet. Yeah, our, our goal is, you know, our goals are are few. One is safety, and then two is cleanliness. Uh, we feel that people are having uh, a safe trip, and then also preserving wilderness. Mount Shasta is a wilderness area. Um our job is to help preserve that and do those two things. We feel like we, we've done a pretty good job. So. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Nick. Appreciate your time, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, sir. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the show this season. I will be working hard to polish my editing and production skills this summer and have some very exciting stories that I'll be working on throughout the off-season. I'll release some updates throughout the summer of what we're working on. I appreciate your continued support and feedback. In addition, if you have a story you want to tell, or you want to hear an interview from someone in particular, please reach out. We'd love to hear your ideas. I've uploaded some really helpful articles from the Avalanche Review to our website concerning the upcoming pro-rec split in Avalanche education. If you listened to episode 4 and want to solidify your understanding some more, go check these out. Big thanks to Lynn Wolf for providing these. Our artwork was created by Mike T. Thanks, T. Music today was performed by Broke for Free and Anatech, courtesy of freemusicarchive.com and made possible by the Creative Commons license. The winner of last episode's pair of M1 gloves from Truck Gloves was Jake Johnstone of Jacksonville, Oregon. Congrats, Jake. For this episode, leave us a review on iTunes and you will be entered to win a pair of brand new M1 gloves. Thanks to Truck Gloves for their continued support. Appreciate you guys. Until next time, keep having fun and stay safe out there. Don't forget your sunscreen. Cheers.